Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time on the show, life for women at work in their 20s. Some call it the defining decade. Others wonder how they'll get through it. Every time that I talk to someone about starting my career or being in my 20s, everyone always says, your 20s are pretty terrible. That's just, (laughs) like, you want to do everything you can to not make your 20s terrible. Hear, hear. Coming up, the first of two shows devoted to the 20s. This time, a conversation with two young women on different continents, one on the cusp of entering the workplace, the other several years into a career. And a little expert advice on how to navigate the exasperating aspects of dealing with us older people. Meet my first guest. My name is April Leslie. I am an intern at The Broad Experience, and I'm also a student at Ohio University. Compared to me at 21, April is a miracle of engineering. She's mature, she has good ideas, she's hardworking, and she knows what she wants to do. She wants to be a radio journalist, and she has done for a while. Even while she's at college, she's working part-time as a host and reporter at the local public radio station. What are your thoughts and concerns as you think about the start of your career, apart from obviously landing a job in journalism? Well, there's a lot, actually. I think that the biggest one right now is that I'm kind of afraid of not doing well. But I've been told by so many people that in order to do well eventually, you have to be terrible in the beginning. And that's sort of a scary concept because I want to do the best that I can in everything. But I understand that I just I don't have the experience to be where I want to be at. And I'm trying to remember if I felt like that. I probably didn't, but then I wasn't starting out in such a, I wasn't starting out in this competitive job world and I wasn't taking my career so seriously at all when I was 21, which is one of the major differences between me and everyone I'm speaking to for this story. But um, that I think, I mean, that sounds very typically female to me that we have this this thing of I have to be the best at everything I do and less than perfection um, makes me feel like I'm some kind of failure. The problem is that you go through college and when you're a senior you're supposed to be at the peak you're supposed to know everything that you need to you're teaching other kids but then you just at the end you are at the bottom again and it's even worse because I mean, in my job, at least right now, I'm the youngest one here, and I don't expect to be um, older than anybody else when I start work. So I'm competing with people who might be in the same position as me as general assignment reporters who have a lot more experience, so I'm just automatically going to be the worst. And that's kind of a scary idea. And that fear is exacerbated by one looming fact. What I think about a lot is that at 21, just as a woman, I don't have a lot of self-confidence. I have enough. I think I have a lot more than most people my age, but you're still not totally there. So I feel like just because I'm not that confident, I'm so prone to falling into those um, issues 
that we talk about so much. I'm more prone to imposter syndrome. I'm constantly comparing myself to other people. I don't advocate for myself because I'm not confident in my skills yet. Which is pretty normal. In fact, if you ask me, the majority of grown women still don't have enough confidence in their abilities. It's part of the reason I started this show. I knew April had a boyfriend at college, and I couldn't resist asking, does he share these career concerns? No, actually, and that's what's so funny about it. He has always been extremely confident, and even when we're applying for internships, I'm freaking out I'm not going to get anything. And he's thinking, well, how am I going to choose? Like, which one am I going to choose? Obviously, I'm going to get multiple. I don't know what criteria I'm going to base my decision on. It's like, that's nothing. That's never anything I would think about, you know? I do know. I'm 44, and I still don't think that way. And as the two of them applied for internships at exactly the same time and at the same radio stations... I was really freaking out about it. It was really something that was becoming a conflict in the rest of my life. I couldn't concentrate on anything else. And he was just totally fine. Everything's okay. I'm sure everything's going to work out. And I was so jealous of him because I could never think that way. And it did work out for him. It worked out for both of us. But I still wasn't confident even upon getting, I applied for, for 10 internships and I was interviewed for six and I actually rejected two of the offers. And for some reason, I couldn't, I just couldn't get past that I was rejected for four, you know? You always focus on the negative stuff. And she says even when they got their internships, she in San Francisco, he in Boston, she succumbed to a typical female trap, and he, he just got on with it. I was so concerned with making sure that my bosses liked me, and I think that really sort of affected the way that I was working. I was more concerned if I was doing well rather than just getting the job done. And my boyfriend just knew that he was doing okay. And if he didn't, if he wasn't meeting their expectations, he would eventually. His attitude is always, all right, so this story didn't go well, but maybe the next one will. And as long as I make a good impression by the end of this, I'll be okay. For some reason, I just haven't gotten there yet. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My next guest doesn't lack confidence. She's five years older than April at 26, and she lives and works in London. We spoke on Skype. My name's Addy. I work in digital marketing for um, a financial services company. Addy actually got in touch with me back in November to ask if I'd do a show on women in their 20s and some of the pitfalls they face. When we spoke, I asked her to explain what she meant. And she said, there's just all this stuff you don't learn about at school, at university, even on an internship, stuff about what office life is really like, the politics, the personalities you have to deal with. She's had a particular struggle with communication. She says that can be a minefield for someone her age trying to communicate with someone my age. I asked her to give me an example. Basically, uh, a colleague of mine, a manager, went on maternity leave. So it was just me as the team, as the digital team itself. So I was dealing with a lot. And um, I was dealing with a separate colleague who he'd never interacted with me before and he was being quite cutthroat and he just, he was, there was a specific issue and he was wrong about the issue. 
However, every time I kept on explaining why he was wrong, he just kept on interrupting me. And I just, I was, I didn't have time to deal with, um, you know, I didn't have time to just like start explaining this and sort of say what I wanted to say in a roundabout, nice way. I just wanted to be like, look, you're wrong. This is the issue. This is why. Can you just, can we just get this done and like, can we move on? But <laughs> not the best way. Um, in the end, uh, the head of the department, who was also a woman, um, knew about this and she was on my side. And she then wrote an email to him sort of saying exactly what I was saying, but in a way that was very, um, I don't want to say appealed to his ego, but was very like softly said. Mm. But you know, when you say like, you say it in a roundabout way, but you don't just say what the issue is. Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe there's sometimes there's different ways of communicating what I want to, what I want to say. Like not everyone's always on the same like go go go. Um, some people have different people have different experiences to work. People, it's it's very different. So I kind of learned from that, and she got a positive response from that. And then everyone's like, ooh, hmm, maybe we should change the process, which is exactly what I was saying from the beginning. <laughs> but they were like, oh, maybe we should do this in the future, which is what I was trying. The point I was trying to get across from huh. the get go but maybe it was the way I was saying it just because I was busy and I just didn't have time to do it in that roundabout way. Okay, but if the head of department had the time to write that email that actually achieved results, the fact is Addie thinks it's silly to spend time on such a thing as a roundabout communication because she's not used to doing it. No one in her age group is. If you send a text, you just get to the point, or if you're on social media or whatever, 140 characters, just people just get to the point of things. There's no, like, that was another thing that I learned also starting. I'm sure everyone's going to be laughing. But um, in terms of, like, even when you pick up the phone, rather than just being like, oh, hi, yeah, so what, like, you know, what, what do you want? Or, like, get to the point. You've got to do a whole thing about, hi, how are you? Are you okay? Like, you know, how was your weekend? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There's a whole dance you have to do <laughs> before you just get to the point. And how aggravating that is. Addie says, on the one hand, she's learning lessons. On the other, the necessity of doing this so-called dance, it drives her mad. I asked April about this too, and I told her about Addie's experience. I thought about this a lot. I think that millennials speak, it almost feels like we speak a different language than older generations. And that's what really scares me about entering the workforce. When I was interning, I used to struggle over composing emails because I was afraid there'd be a disconnect because I noticed that just with talking to my bosses that maybe I wasn't communicating in a way that was appropriate for the workplace. And I think it goes beyond just, you know, understanding business etiquette. I think that we have come up with a shorthand to communicate with each other that works really well for us, but it just doesn't, there's a barrier there that we can't quite reach yet. Like when I'm composing, if that had happened to me, I probably would have spent a long time composing an email. I think the problem is that we're, maybe it comes down to email. We're not used to, to emailing a lot. And I feel like that's that's just the, the way you communicate in the business world is you send these longer emails. And I think with a lot of my friends, we're so, we're so used to talking to someone face to face and it's so much easier to communicate that way and you get things done so much quicker that writing emails is just, ugh, 
it's too much and too much can get lost in translation. But if she'd been in Addie's shoes, she would have written the longer email to try to get the results she wanted. So I asked her, would that be fine or would it annoy her? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it, it very it very much annoys me. This entire idea that I have to speak in a different way and be someone that's really not myself, that worries me a lot. And, um, you know, it's part of the reason that I decided to go into journalism was because it was sort of a non-traditional work environment. I thought I was getting beyond the corporate world. But it's not just that. It's the real world. You have to communicate in a way that's not natural to you. At least that's the way that I'm perceiving it now. But maybe that perception will change. Dr. Meg Jay is a psychologist who specializes in adult development. She's also the author of a book called The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now. You'll be hearing much more from her in the next show. But for now, I wanted her to weigh in on this communication question. When you're young, you know, there's that sense that any compromise that it's you're being kind of a sellout that it's like let's just call a spade a spade and say hey this guy's a jerk and he's interrupting me and he needs to stop um and that that feels very authentic and direct and real and not playing the game and you know that that's just the way it ought to be and you know that may or may not be true but you know I think it is I'm from the South, you might have noticed from my Mm. accent, (laughs) but I think it is true that, you know, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And I do feel like rather than thinking of it as, you know, you're being a sellout or you're being inauthentic, but to think of it as, you know, there usually is a nice way or a, a graceful, gracious way to handle everything and that that really pays off for everybody. I mean, it's not Mm. just playing the game, but that's really about your own development. The person, if you want to get through to another person, they're more likely to listen to you if you're handling it nicely. But that's just really, truly more productive. And that's part of being successful, I think. I agree. But what about what Addy said, that she just didn't have time for these tedious workplace practices? I do think when you've been used to, I mean, most young people have talked mostly to other young people for their lives, Um, that it takes a different sort of communication um, because people who are different than you in terms of their perspective or their age or their experience level or their background, they don't necessarily understand where you're coming from. And so there's a lot, I think a lot of 20-somethings are used to talking to other people who already understand where they're coming from. Mm. You know, they already give them the benefit of the doubt and they've had experiences. This person's a good person. They're thoughtful. So if they kind of cut to the chase with me today, I can put it in context. And I don't think you can make those sort of assumptions with people that you work with, that they're likely different. And so it takes a little bit more of a kind of complete and thoughtful communication, even if that does seem like something you don't have time for, it still may be necessary. What's so interesting to me about hearing Addie and April describe the hassle of communicating this way is I'd never have thought of communicating any other way than this roundabout but tactful route. And I don't know if that's down to my personality or being raised in a more formal era where you didn't even have email when you started work or communication skills. I'm not sure. One thing I definitely did not have to contend with 20 years ago was the level of competition these young women are up against. I told Addie when I left college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. 
I started working, but the jobs I had didn't mean much for years. I knew I wasn't doing anything I really cared about until I got into journalism at 30. But frankly, after being churned through the rigorous British education system for 16 years, I was tired when I graduated from university. I didn't want a heavy job. I wanted to be paid, I wanted to work with people I liked, and I wanted to enjoy my spare time. I was not ambitious. I was conscious that some of my friends were already on a career ladder and I remember being envious of them and slightly panicked that they knew what they wanted to do and I didn't. They were real adults and maybe I wasn't. But unlike Addie, I didn't have social media to make me feel even worse. You just know more about everyone's lives. (laughs) So it's kind of, it is, it's very much like, oh, they've just got a job. How have they got a job? I haven't got a job. And it's, I, I went through a period of, I guess, typical kind of quarter-life crisis thing of yeah feeling very much like I was in competition with everyone and I wasn't winning I guess <laughs> I didn't really I didn't really have a focus I hope this doesn't come across as offensive or anything but I, I don't think that it's possible to have that attitude these days like in terms mm. of to use your 20s as just to just be a bit more free I guess I don't know I, I'm, I'm kind of drilling it into my younger brother at the moment and he's in his final year at university and I'm just like Have you got an internship? What are you going to do? And that matters, because in London, she and her brother aren't just up against other Brits for jobs, they're up against competition from all over the EU and the world. And she says, you better be ready for that environment. What I've also noticed in terms of, I mean, this is getting your first job, but I've had a job for a while, but no no one wants to train people. It seems that, like, when you were, like, finding your way and stuff, people took a chance on you. You, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know your CV or anything. So, um, uh, you know, but I think these days, if if you don't, don't have an internship, if you haven't worked in something before, if you haven't written a blog, if you haven't done something at university, people will rarely look at your CV. Will rarely give you a chance. Um, no one wants to train. It seems they just want someone else. Someone else to have done that. They want the they want the sort of polished version, ready for work. And if you're not the polished version, you may not land the job in the first place. That's a lot of pressure. But women have another type of pressure to deal with too. April says at her college, her female friends are already thinking ahead to the aisle and the nursery. Everyone is is kind of concerned about the work-life balance thing even now. And when I was reading er, Lean In, she kept saying things like, I regret planning for a family I didn't even have yet. And I feel like that's a trap that a lot of us fall into. Because many people are in longish-term relationships with fellow students. Because we're at this point now where you have to make a decision whether to abandon this relationship that you've been in for two years or make your career choices around a relationship at 21. And I see a lot of my friends doing that. And that really... Actually, I think that also comes back to confidence because we're scared to be alone and to to make decisions for ourselves without having someone to cheer us on. And uh, yeah, I think that can lead us to make a lot of bad decisions. It's hard because I'm at a point right now where I'm applying for jobs everywhere and I don't know people in any of these cities. And I know that's not really unique that you're starting fresh without knowing anybody. When you have the option to have somebody on your team, you know, starting out, maybe that's what gives you the boost of confidence you need to succeed in the job. That's one of the arguments I've heard, at least. She says the way it works with a lot of couples she knows is that they have a deal. Whoever lands a job first, the other one will travel with them to that city. 
But she says with heterosexual couples, the vast majority of the time, the guy gets the job first, so the women end up following along. And they get a job eventually. But often it's just a job in that city where their boyfriend is. It's not a job they particularly want. Addie says her job in London presents its own share of gender problems from time to time. She says the language some people use for women at her office can be quite demeaning. She was working with this older guy recently. By older, I mean late 40s. What happened was I was working and um, I had to then go off with someone to talk about something. And then um, the guy at the time who was older was like, oh, can't you just get one of your girls to do it for you? Addie was not going to take that one lying down. I was like, excuse me? Like, one of my girls, one of the girls, what what do you mean? <laughs> First of all, we all do a specific role. It's, people don't just, you know, our work is valuable. It's just trying to dismiss what I do. And second of all, we have names. We're not just the girls. And I mean, he took it well. He, he took it well. He hasn't said it again, so. Success. But April still has a lot of questions about the future. After all, her career hasn't really begun. She's heard some discouraging things about this decade. Every time that I talk to someone about starting my career or being in my 20s, everyone always says, your 20s are pretty terrible. I don't know if anyone's told you that before, but your 20s are a hard time. But you'll get through it. It'll be fine. But that's just (laughs) like you want to do everything you can to not make your 20s terrible. And that's what we'll be discussing next time, including how to lose some of the anxiety Meg J sees in young clients all the time. That they're going to make a mistake, that their boss is going to yell at them, they're going to be fired for any little thing. You would be stunned by how many hours a week I spend talking to young women workers about that. Very competent, capable, smart people who really feel overwhelmed by the idea that they're going to get something wrong and that's going to be the end. And looking back at our 20s with some perspective. We can constantly reinvent ourselves if that's what we choose to do. I know that I felt pressure to make all of the right moves when I was in my 20s. But as I've grown older, I've learned that I'm happiest and most fulfilled when I listen to and trust my inner voice. That's next time on the show. This episode of The Broad Experience has been supported by MailChimp. I use MailChimp to produce The Broad Experience newsletter, which you are most welcome to sign up for on the homepage, and I'm very glad to have them on board. Also, if you're in the U.S. and you work in a creative industry, you should know about Lady Boss. It's a new initiative to help women in these industries crack the glass ceiling. I know, not an ambitious goal at all. I met the founder, Tracy Candido, recently because we were sharing a workspace. It's lady boss Thanks again to April Leslie for helping with the production of this show and for taking part. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>